Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Church of Roy, an armchair all-American podcast. Warning, today's show may include adult language. And here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve DeWalt. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Church of Roy podcast. It has been another busy week here in Portland. I am your host, as always, Steve DeWalt, Associate Editor of Blazer's Edge. I'm joined by our co-host, fresh off of the golf course, 18 holes in, Brian Wilcox. How are you doing today? I'm good. Major blister on my hand affected the game, but other than that, man, it was a nice outing. Yeah. It's good to get out on the links. You know, uh, nothing worse than a uh, a blister on your on your hand when you're when you're golfing, especially if it Dude, happens like, like the front nine. Holy, holy! Oh, I had to switch up my whole grip. It's brutal. There's not enough beer on the cart to get you past a, a well placed blister. Is is what I've learned, and Lord knows I've tried. I so, think that uh, the the cart girl saw how we were playing and just steered real clear of our of our group even I though mean, we weren't we were taking it easy but i think she just assumed we didn't need any more than based on you know just looking out for you looking out for you looking out for the best nice lady so, so today you know we're still kind of living this aftermath of last week where there was this wild trade request potential that really wasn't it was refuted but you know as we discussed in our emergency podcast last week not really Damian Lillard does definitely set the tone for what he expects going forward that there needs to be some major commitments to build this team into a, a championship contender and he does not view this roster as being that right now so we come to today and Kevin O'Connor of the ringer comes out with it with a piece that kind of recaps what was said you know nothing new as far as quotes go but there was an kind of an interesting list inside that post that we've seen for the first time of the teams that he labeled the most aggressive suitors for Damian Lillard. I mean, I would also like to see a list of the most passive suitors for, for <laughs> Damian Lillard, but now we don't we, need that guy. No, we're good. No. So uh, I think that would also, I, that might be a more interesting list, but anyway, there were five teams on this list, according to Kevin O'Connor and he cites, you know, league executives that are nameless. He says the Miami heat, the Sac Sacramento Kings, the Knicks, the Rockets, and the Sixers. So of that five, 
obviously we've heard a few names like that before. Are there any na- teams on there that it kind of surprised you that you didn't really expect to see, Brian? Yeah, I think that Heat, Knicks, and Sixers are three teams that are pretty chalk, right? Everyone yeah. expected them to see – or everyone expected to see those teams on there. The Kings were a team that I was just shocked to see. Like, why the hell would Lillard want to go to Sacramento? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Rockets are, are the other one that – that was surprising just because both of those franchises lack a lot of the things that Portland might be looking for in a trade other than, you know, picks moving forward. I think those, those are there, but would be far less valuable with Lillard on the roster. So um, not a ton of young guys you'd look at for the Kings. Obviously you have Fox and the Rockets, you have Kristen Wood, but not a boatload of assets. And it's really not a winning situation for, for Dave, if he were to go to those places, at least, at first glance without a bunch of other moves out of those franchises. Yeah. I I think the Kings are the surprising one to see here because you know, you just don't, they just don't seem like a team that jumps off the page. It seems like that's a team that would be in their best interest to continue to grow organically. I mean, obviously putting Damian Lillard on that roster is a game changer, but I I don't know if Darren Fox does it for, for the Blazers and and some Mm -hmm. few other pieces, the Rockets are, are, are amusing to me just because, I mean, what are you trying to do timeline-wise? And what are you trying to put into a trade? Are you just trying to flip all the assets you got from Harden? And, I mean, if you want to talk about, like, a Clyde Drexler comparison, like, Christian Wood is kind of the, the equivalent <laughs> to Otis Thorpe nowadays in my mind. So I'm like, not as crazy as it sounds, but also, like, I mean, what, what are you trying to do, Houston? Or, or are you trying to, you know – cut costs, rebuild this thing the right way, or, or are you going to bring another star and that probably isn't going to flourish in that system? So the thing that did surprise me, and I don't know if O'Connor was just trying to, to limit this or if it was that obvious, but I was shocked to not see the Lakers mentioned on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know the Lakers don't have anything to trade that are, is of interest for the Blazers, but just to not see them even – mentioned as a team that's trying to scrap together an asset pool for here for this type of trade was interesting what's your take on on the teams that weren't on the list was there a team that you you didn't see that you might expect to see on that on that five hey guys it's pear here to tell you all about the brand new app we've been using here on the church of roy called spotify green room green room is a live audio only platform that is free to download and super easy to use You can talk to sports fans, insiders, athletes, and even executives all in real time. And hey, the Church of Roy will be there live bright and early on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app in the iOS or Android app store. Get it done, peeps. You know, the the Lakers for sure, just because maybe that's just more of a function of being, you know, seeing NBA Twitter where Kyle Kuzma and two first can get anything done. But, you know, the Lakers are always involved in everything, especially with the, the LeBron Dame connection with Space Jam and going to the Sparks game and some of that other stuff. I was a little surprised not to see them on there. Um, kind of a dark horse. I was, I was maybe expecting Dallas to potentially try to get in the mix. That's a team that can free up some a little bit of cap space and and have a couple young guys that are kind of interesting. They have all I think as far as I know they have all their picks. So that's a franchise that I can see who's definitely in win now mode with Luca being in kind of a similar situation as Dame where, except far earlier, but I think he's already kind of trying to apply pressure to that front office to build a winner now. And so 
um, Dallas is a team that seems like they're typically active in trade talks that I was a little shocked not to see on there. Hey, and, and they got Damian Lillard's guy at head coach now. So, so. Yeah, I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, you're that's absolutely a, that's right. A, that's a that's a subject for a different time and hopefully never. Hopefully Indeed. we never talk about it. I yeah, won't even say I'm not, not even gonna I'm not even gonna say his name. So I I do wonder, because we I mean, we've all made friends in other fan bases. I've worked alongside a lot of contributors through the SB Nation network and other places, my time at USA Today. And you run into these guys, like I, I've made great friendships with the guys, a lot of guys that cover the Pelicans, mm-hmm. guys and girls. So I do wonder if the Blazers are entering this this un, this territory, Blazers fans, uh, of this denial phase where the news we read, just think of how it shifted so quickly in the last couple months of like, the idea that we are openly really kind of debating, is there a trade request and we can't absolutely refute it? Like, yes, Damian Lillard said that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Trade request, you know, wasn't true, but it's pretty clear that there's an ultimatum on the table of what the expectation is before something like that arrives. I just wonder if we're entering that AD territory, if we're entering that James Harden territory more recently of a fan base that just really is struggling to read the writing on the wall. I I, I don't know if it's just because this offseason has been such a shit show that that we're not acknowledging it. But but Brian, what's what's your pulse on it? And as a fan, how are you wrapping your head around this entire situation and how it's, how it's moving forward and how it's progressing right now? You look at where we were just a few months ago, and it is quite staggering. Just look back and see how the narrative shifted, right? And I think just as fans, we've been so spoiled might not be the right word. Maybe it's blessed to have a guy like Dame whose loyalty has been unwavering throughout the years, even through multiple playoff disappointments and 
and injuries and everything else the franchise has faced. And so I think right now it's definitely erecting for, for me <laughs> as a Blazers fan and probably yeah. a lot of other people out there. Um, I think we are treading into AD territory. Um, you know, you look at just the options that Portland has to improve this roster and Lillard's ultimatum. And I just don't know if that one thing can make, you know, that what they have available and the options Mm -hmm. in front of them, if if they can do anything to appease the guy. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to bring this up because I think outside of the initial list that O'Connor gives in his story, he does talk about these other options or or lack thereof for the Blazers that, that if the Blazers do decide to build around Damian Lillard, what can they chase down? What can they go after? What are the trade pieces they're going to put on the table? And obviously everybody comes back to CJ McCollum here and surprise, surprise, we get Kevin O'Connor's take on a Ben Simmons trade and we're not going to rehash that here. I do appreciate that Kevin O'Connor realizes that that trade might not happen. There might have to be more pieces involved from the Blazer side to get that deal done. Mm-hmm. But I really like that people are finally talking about Ben Simmons. If he were to arrive in Portland, his him being next to Yusuf Nurkic is problematic from a spacing standpoint. And I thought O'Connor really laid that out well, along with some of the upsides. Mm-hmm. Have you shifted any of your thoughts on the Ben Simmons type deal? Do you think it's just, are we time to move past it? Or, or is there something there that you're continuing to revisit? I think it's going to be tough to get that deal done. Um, I think it'd have to be CJ Covington and a pick. I think that Philly really still values Simmons. And I just think the recency bias of his playoff performance really drove his value down in the eyes of fans. But at the end of the day, this guy's a former number one pick. He was – he's a top defensive player in the league. And, you know, to, to tr- if you're in Philly's shoes, are you trading that guy for somebody who's never been an all-star in their career? Mm-hmm. Not straight up, right? And so um, I've, I've thought it was a little bit far-fetched for a while, but I don't know. I, I don't think I've really moved either way on it. I, I just think that Portland's going to have to give up more than CJ, and it's not even – you know, yeah, debatable. I, I think there's some there's some organizational pressure here too that that we're seeing that if they do trade Ben Simmons for a guy like you said who's not an all star. I mean, CJ McCollum is a fine player. He's very talented offensively. Great player. Yeah, yeah. He's never been the first banana on the team he's on, but you know, I think there is pressure from the Markel Fultz situation. I mean, if if you trade mm-hmm. away Ben Simmons for this type of package, you are acknowledging that you completely blew it basically on two number one overall picks. And that's a tough pill to swallow. And then also just from a Daryl Morey standpoint, which those picks predate his time with Philadelphia, but also, I mean, this is a, this is a GM that was on the wrong side of the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook trade. And I really think they, if they are going to trade Ben Simmons, it needs to be a win. And and like you said, I, the playoffs lowered, at least in the fans' eyes, mm-hmm. what Ben Simmons' value was. And I think that was the all-time low. As we get further and further away from that and we get into camp and we get into the offseason, that value is going to recoup a little bit. Now, it might not get back to that same level we saw at the start of this last season, but it's going to get better than where it is now. So I, I really do think the ship might have sailed unless Portland is yeah. really throwing down everything in this, which – 
I think it's an important point to bring up. How do you feel now about how the Blazers should leverage their future first round picks in trades? And is there any concern that, you know, if a trade does blow up in their face, they're looking at a Damian Lillard trade request and an empty cupboard of draft picks. Is that something you should be concerned with at this point? Hell yeah. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a huge catch 22, right? Because really the best assets to, tra- to trade this organization has are probably first round picks and are, do you want to mortgage those first round picks for a guy that might leave? I think that before they would, before Portland makes any trade, I think they have to get some sort of, they'd have to run by Dame and say, listen, is this something that, you know, is this enough? And, and even then I, you're still rolling the dice and we, we hit on it on the green room session on, on Saturday, but you can throw protections on those picks in case he does leave and, and you go in the tank, but at some point, you know, they're going to convert. And so um, it's absolutely a major risk, but, it might be one that Portland has to take in order to keep him around longer than a year or maybe even past the summer. I mean, and let's be real here. I mean, protections are nice, but if you're looking to make a a deal and that's your best asset you're putting in to a trade deal, when you throw a lottery protection on it or a top 10 protection on it, Mm -hmm. you are significantly decreasing the value of that asset because that team is banking on you screwing this up. And I do think just the sea change that we have seen is Damian Lillard, what he's been comfortable to put out into the media through Chris Haynes, through some of these other outlets, and even by the own comments he made last week. There's been a shift in his decision-making and potentially mm-hmm. what he's looking at going forward. And what we've seen in the past, whether it be Kevin Durant, whether it be Anthony Davis, James Harden, stars make these decisions well in advance. LeBron James, probably the best example. Chris Bosh, Chris, yep. those guys his mind might already be made up and I know that's a tough pill to swallow, but if he's willing to really go out there and say this stuff in the media, there is a good chance that we're already in too little, too late territory in this situation. And I think it sucks. And if the right deal comes about where the Blazers can split the difference and put protections on picks and gets a couple young play, a young player back as well as a win now piece, with a CJ and picks type trade, you do it. Mm-hmm. But I do think we are in the territory where you probably want to hold on to those picks pretty close to the vest, especially if we are going to get into the double draft where some of these guys are going to be able to, you're going to have basically two classes coming in. You're going to have the high kids straight out of high school and you're going to have, you know, the traditional college route guys. So yeah, I, go ahead. You, you kind of wonder if, you know, it wasn't a trade request, but it was a trade ultimatum, right? Uh, build this roster and a contender mm-hmm. or else, you know, I'm, I'm probably out. And that might be an ultimatum that Dame, what, you know, you take a look at the landscape. He damn well knows that it's unattainable and it's just a way for him to kind of tee it up that, you know, Hey, this, he's putting the onus back on the organization, which I think is totally fair, by the way. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's been nothing but, consummate pro for Portland, but he is kicking it back, putting the onus on the organization to meet this level that due to past decisions probably can't, and it gives him an easy out. So mm-hmm. to your point earlier, are we in AD territory? <laughs> you kind of yeah. talk through it. It's like, shit, if we're not, we're pretty close. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, people, I think people are ready to talk about something different. We've been inundated with, with this 
news story for the last four or five days. Yeah, it sucks. Let, let's talk about the, the news at hand here. Something that we all saw coming. I want people to be very clear here. Do not panic. Norman Powell was always going to opt out of his, of his player option. He was always going to decline that because he, he's ready for a longer-term contract at a higher rate. So, you know, me and Brian both, one of our group texts received, you know, oh, crap, you know, Norman Powell opt out of it. Every, the sky's falling. I'm like, no, this was to be expected. Now, now the job is, and we all knew this was going to be one of the biggest tasks for the Blazers to complete. Up until da- making Damian Lillard happy is now number one. Number two is keeping Norman Powell. I mean, they go hand in hand. But mm-hmm. declines his $11 million player option. Chris Haynes reports this. Also says the Blazers are making retaining Norman Powell their top priority in free agency. So how are you feeling right now about the chances that Norman Powell – is going to re-sign with Portland or is there, I mean, this isn't a surprise, obviously. Yeah. Um, I was just going to throw a percentage on it. I feel like it's maybe a coin flip. Maybe Portland has a slight edge. I mean, they can offer him a ton of money. There are some other teams out there, which I think we'll talk about that can also offer him a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, He's really a guy you can fit into any system or organization. I think he's, he's a plus. So it's going to be tough, man. And and I really do wonder that if Portland's still, you know, asking him to play the three, if that could kind of be the tipping point for him to take equal money or a couple million dollars less annually to, you know, go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just to, to get an idea on price point and where Norman Powell might be sitting in this free agent class is, you know, very timely, the Athletics' John Hollinger came out with a list of the shooting guards using his his boards metric, which bases future salary projections off of this current year's statistical output and just one year ahead. So typically with younger players or players entering their prime, these contract figures are going to be a little lower because it's not gauging it off of any future production beyond next season. Yep. So Norm came in as number three on the shooting guard list. Uh, evaluated at 13 million Hollinger and his analysis did say that he expects Norm to exceed that number on his yearly contract. Um, I am a little surprised by, by who finished in front of Norm, but not really the group overall. I think the group is right. How it's ordered. I I would probably assemble it a little differently. Mm -hmm. So that group is Danny green, Evan Fournier. Then it was Norm and then Tim Hardaway jr. And these guys were in a group that, Hollinger explained is not, not a max level salary, but pretty high above the mid-level exception. What do you think of that group? And do you think Norm is the best player out of those four guys? Hey guys, it's Perry here to tell you all about the brand new app we've been using here on the Church of Roy called Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is a live audio only platform that is free to download and super easy to use. You can talk to sports fans, insiders, athletes, and even executives all in real time. And hey, the Church of Roy will be there live bright and early on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app in the iOS or Android app store. Get it done, peeps. I think he kind of mentioned it was like the solid starter group, right? Like these are guys that are in that area above the mid-level, but certainly not not max guys. And I think I would take Norm above Green, Fournier, and Hardaway. I just think his two-way um, ability and a little juice off the bounce and his shooting 
particularly from the corner, really makes him the most attractive candidate. Um, also with his, you know, highest output and points coming this last year, he's, I think a guy that he's probably getting pretty close to his ceiling, but he's not a Danny green where green's best years are almost certainly behind him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was a little surprised and Fournier too. Um, I just don't think he offers as much two way value as, as Norm does. So I, I would have certainly slid Norm ahead of him. Yeah, I, I think Fournier and Hardaway might be better offensive players on any given night. Mm-hmm. But defensively, I, I think you're getting more even output from Norm in, in a lot of these situations, which I think it is important to look at the group around him when you're thinking about what, what do the Blazers have to do? What, what do they have to do to make sure that they're providing Norm with the best package, which there was a story earlier this year once the Blazers got Norm in a trade talked about how they really rolled out the red carpet because it's clear that the key to this roster continuing to move forward and not taking a step back is to keep him on the roster. When it comes down to it, I, I, we really, you kind of touched on it earlier. It comes down to two things and it's continually brought up. Can the Blazers, should the Blazers really sell Norman Powell that he's going to get to return to his natural position? He's going to get to play shooting guard. Mm-hmm through his prime, which the elephant in the room here is CJ McCollum is on this roster. He makes, he's going to make more than norm, I would assume. So he's probably going to be your starter. I, I, I have a hard time thinking about retaining norm just because of that. But the other part of this too, is the salary standpoint. If you do pay norm Powell, you know, upwards of 16 million and you keep CJ McCollum on the roster, you basically have, you know, $50 million, a little under that, tied up in two shooting guards. Mm -hmm. What is more problematic, you know, for the Blazers? Having two shooting guards or or having that much money tied up in kind of a redundant position? Well, we've had a lot of money tied up. (laughs) What you could argue is a redundant position with uh, Dame and CJ and their similarities. But, um, yeah, I – Man, to be honest with you, I'm almost in the camp where I think they will have to trade CJ for Norm or in order to re-sign Norm. Um, maybe not have to, but I think it's – I mentioned earlier it might be what tips the scales one way. I think it really could be. I, I don't think Norm wants to body up threes all year. He's a natural two. Portland has this thing where they like to play a lot of guys a position higher maybe. Yeah. they. Rodney Hood comes to comes to mind. Yeah. I always thought Rodney Hood was a two. They've always played him at three, even a little four. But um, yeah, I, it'd be problematic for me to have the money tied up in two shooting guards. I suppose when when you already have such a scoring point guard too that can do a lot of the same things that that one of those guys does. So I, I think when you're talking about salary, get away from them. I think we agree on the position thing and having two shooting guards and, and what Norm, how Norm wants to spend his prime. When you look at the money, you can't really ask Norm to take less here because let's let's just look at the teams that either one have max cap space mm-hmm. or can easily get to a to a money standpoint that is well above the mid-level exception. So you got the Knicks, the Spurs, the Thunder, the Mavs, the Heat, the Raptors, the Hornets, and the Grizzlies. That's a lot mm-hmm. of teams I just threw at you. But there are a couple that stand out to me as teams that – would be smart to get in the running for Norm Powell because I think one, he fits on their timeline and two, he can do a lot of things both ways and really complement their existing roster. 
So I'll just kind of go first. I think the Knicks are the team that I continue to come back to. There was a report that Tom Thibodeau really is a huge fan of Norm Powell. Yep. I think he fits a lot of the accountability, both offensively and defensively. And I truly think the Knicks are going to be in a situation where they're going to miss out on these marquee stars again in this free agency, barring something I don't see right now. So if they want to throw a bunch of money at Norm, they can. And really, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a terrible investment to, to throw money at a, at a two-way player that's entering his prime. Is there a player outside the Knicks on that list that, that kind of caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, I think the Mavericks are one. I, I You know, if they're going to let Tim Hardaway go, I think Norm's a guy who could slot in right there. I don't know if he's enough. The Mavericks might be trying to do – a little more, some little splash here to keep keep Luke engaged. Um, another another one is just the Heat. It's, you know, they'd have to really. There's some cap gymnastics involved for them to get some a substantial amount of space, which probably includes getting rid of Dragic and Udall and Oladipo. But you know, that's a team where he seems like a guy that maybe fit pretty well into that Heat culture. Um, you know, with Harrow there, maybe it's not the best positional match, but it's just kind of wild to see see a team like the Heat in a position to potentially make an offer like that to one of the top guards. And I, I think the Heat, when it comes to free agents, they're always going to be in the mix. I mean, mm-hmm. Florida not having state income tax is always attractive, especially if you're, you know, Norm Powell, who's looking at probably his biggest contract of his professional career is what he's entering. Uh, I didn't really think about the Heat, but we did both kind of touch on the Mavs. I entertained that idea mainly just because – you mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. could depart in free agency. And then also Josh Richardson has a, has a big decision coming up as far as what, how he wants to navigate his player option. That's right. If, if both those guys bolt, you know, just from a, a roster standpoint, you're going to want to address that position. And then also I, I think Norm Powell brings a lot of upside and could potentially be guarding a lot of the guys that you're trying to keep Luca off of. So, especially in the backcourt. So, I, I do like that matchup. But the other team I do continually kind of circle back to outside of the Knicks is the Spurs. We've already heard earlier in this offseason that Derek White and DeJounte Murray could be available. And so, if San Antonio is really looking to remake their backcourt, I think Norman Powell's the exact level of free agent that would come to San Antonio. For the right price, I think they're an organization that could sell him on that. And I think they could really give him the keys of the kingdom there, and he could play again alongside some very interesting guys. And I just like – I think he's a perfect fit in Pop's system just for yeah. how he plays and, and how he moves offensively. He's a quick decision maker. You know, he gets the ball, he makes his move, or he gets rid of it. And, and that's just perfect Spurs basketball. Um the, the I, thought the, te- I thought the Spurs were interesting too. Um, the only reason I left them off was I'm just not too sure where what they want to do as an organization. You know, I think you kind of look at the roster and some of the younger guys there, and um, you know, maybe it doesn't look like a team that's really built to contend now. But then you look at Popovich and kind of his timeline, and you know, maybe maybe it is an organization that's going to go out there and spend some money on some established guys to try to get back in the mix. But I, I just really can't get a good read on those guys, but he would be a good fit in that system without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of the list that I look at. I obviously the thunder, the Hornets, 
you know, I don't really think they're on the timeline that, that Norm's looking for. Or for the Hornets, not really the position matchup that they, they're looking for down there. Uh, it would be hilarious to see him go back to the Raptors, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, uh, definitely an organization he spoke very fondly of, but I think that chapter might be behind him. Um, I, and then just overall, when you're looking at the Blazers cap, something I did look at, obviously they're not extending the qualifying offer to Zach Collins and there has, so he will not be a restricted free agent, but there was at least some hope, I think, especially amongst the fan base that there's a potential to get Zach Collins to come back on a small, on a short-term deal on a smaller deal, prove it deal. I just don't see that in the cards because until the Blazers renounce his rights regard or, or they reach a contract with him that's significantly lower his cap hold right now is 16 million dollars so there that's a decision they're going to have to make pretty early in free agency now that norm powell has opted out or declined his player option his cap hold jumps up to 20.6 million and then also the other one i kind of am watching cap hold wise which cap holds just a, a just a very brief overview is even when a player's out of contract it doesn't just automatically slough off your cap. You have to renounce your rights. Otherwise they get assigned what is a cap hold. And that just is kind of an artificial placeholder. That way these teams don't get into like super deep water with their payroll. And then there's a reckoning with, you know, when the fiscal year officially starts and you have to make these payrolls compliant with the salary cap. But, but Ennis Cantor, I think is another guy entering the free, free agent market, his cap hold right now is 6.5 million. I think the Blazers can get him at a lower price than that, obviously, Mm -hmm. but how quickly they get there could really dictate it and whether or not they need to renounce those rights or not, or what decisions they need to make. Any thoughts on the cap holds? I know know it's salary cap minutia that not a lot of people give a shit about, but (laughs) but. I I fully expect uh, Portland Portland to renounce the rights on both Collins and Cantor just for the reasons (laughs) you outlined. I think Collins is still an interesting piece. I'm surprised that you didn't stand for your Gonzaga boy there. No, but, no. Um, you know, I think Zach's a guy that still has a lot of upside. You wonder if he'll ever be healthy. But for a team that's actively trying to build a contender and has very little room to do it, it's just not a fit. He's, he's more probably a kind of a flyer for somebody at this point than someone you can count on to contribute. Mm-hmm. So I guess outside of that, the other name we're going to be watching, we already know what Norm Powell's doing, is obviously Derek Jones Jr. If he opts into his player option, his, I believe it's about $11 million for next year. Mm-hmm. Do you expect Derek Jones Jr. to opt into that, or, or, would you ex- or do you feel like he might opt out and try to find a better fit for less money on the open market? I think he's going to stick around. I think probably the hope for, for him and his – agent is that this new coach can bring out a little bit more you know in his game and that Mm -hmm. he can show to be a little more productive um as a starter or key bench guy um i i just don't really kind of have a hard time figuring out his market he's Mm -hmm. kind of an awkward player right i think in the right system he could probably thrive but he's not a a guy like norm you could just slide in with any squad so to me i expect him to opt in and then probably is in Portland's best interest if they're really trying to pull off a trade, just having a uh, salary kind of in that sweet spot might help them facilitate some moves. Yeah. I, I think 
from just a market standpoint, I don't really think there's $11 million, even in a multi-year deal yeah. sitting on the table for Derek Jones Jr. right now. After kind of falling out of the rotation with the heat and then, I mean, that was a finals team. And then to really fall out of the rotation, in a, not a not great depth deprived blazer squad. Like that's a pretty big indictment. Um, yeah, I, was being dipl- I was being diplomatic. But yeah, <laughs> I, he's opting into that thing. He's not getting out of the open market. So I was, I, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I wonder if I'll look at these teams that are in, you know, even a worse cap situation than the Blazers are, which that does ha- does exist. Surprisingly. Um, they're all contenders, but they're all contenders except for, you know, <laughs> maybe the Warriors, but when they're at full strength, they are. Right. Um, and I was like, okay, well maybe we, there's, there's a trade here where you can get, you know, a two for one or, you know, you trade Derek Jones Jr. there. He's only got a year left. Maybe we can get a couple years, mm-hmm. get a player with a couple years left, come back to Portland. Um, that was the most nightmare fueled like trade machine experience I've ever had in my life. Do not recommend zero stars. <laughs> so, so I'll tell you the highlights that I came up with one Brooklyn Nets, Deandre Jordan. Yikes. That, that's, that was like the only deal I could kind of come up with uh, Clippers. Clippers, it gets worse. Luke Kennard, a bunch of years, a terrible contract. So that that was another one. And then the only one I could kind of stomach, and I don't know why the Bucks would do it, would be uh, Pat Connington and Bryn Forbes. But but I think there you'd be thrown in draft assets at that point. So really, to trade Derek Jones Jr., you're going to have to look in a lot of places. Maybe look to get a, attach yourself to a three way trade. It doesn't look pretty. there's really not a lot of bad multi-year deals out there that that you're exchanging headaches, you know, Mm -hmm. that that we've seen kind of the Blazers attempt to do in the past. Well, I appreciate you going down that rabbit hole. So me, Perry and our uh, listeners don't have to. Well, very kind. I shared it with you. So, so you just got to think about that. Um, Before we get out of here, I, I think it's the trendy thing to do. Have you got Perry? Do you want to jump in on this too? Have you guys watched the new Space Jam, A New Age? Have you guys Have you guys taken the time to watch it? I watched it for ten minutes, and I couldn't do it. Too much green screen. I, I love the Looney Tunes, but just LeBron looking surprised every ten seconds that something new popping up was too much. I'm a fan of the general idea, but I, I couldn't do it. Got. It. I think that's fair. I think that, that that's a fair assessment. Brian, have you watched it? Yeah. I watched it. I I made it through the whole thing. Um, you know, as a grown ass man, it was a bit of a tough watch. I know. I yep, think it's yep. built for kids, and I kept that in mind. Uh, the Lillard stuff was kind of cool, but it doesn't hold a candle to the original. Let's let's be real here. All right. So I'm going to preface my review with this. <laughs> I realize I am an adult. This movie was not made for me. I am a huge fan of the original Space Jam. There were parts that I, I actually kind of enjoyed. My daughter really loved this movie. She's three yeah. years old, got a real kick out of a lot of parts of it. I just have a couple things that, that I find, one, puzzling, or two, upsetting. One, Damian Lillard is not a starter. How, like, how do you label him as, as a starter or, or like feature him? And he, I mean, he's clearly coming off the bench in specialty situations. That's not how you use Damian Lillard, mm-hmm. all right? I don't care if he's Kronos, if he's Damian Lillard, don't bring him off the bench. You keep him on the floor. Olympics? Yeah. Started. Exactly. The other thing, too, is that the, I, I couldn't understand the stakes. So, so if the Goon Squad won, 
everyone was trapped in a digital world and they couldn't leave like that's a punishment for this generation like that that's how we <laughs> operate like you would think most people are like yeah i'm in sign me up you're telling me i can leave my nine to five and hang yep. out in looney tune world the rest i get to life. hang out with all of warner brothers ip all the time like that's my punishment all right i hope lebron loses like i, I don't know I, you, had, you had it the clown in there though you had like was it from a clockwork orange those guys were hanging out there's might be a little scarier than they presented you know? i mean you just gotta find your spots i mean you gotta you gotta know who to hang out with who not to hang out with um the other thing too was like lebron james's kid in the movie did he know the stakes of this <laughs> and was he just actively competing against his father and the human race the whole time like or, or did he have like i don't know that those are my things I know that's a ridiculous thing to talk about, and I am analyzing a movie that does not need to be analyzed. I think the important part is is my my little girl lights up every time Damian Lillard's character is on the floor. Nice. Um, she's a huge fan of Lola Bunny, so I think for that it was it was special to watch this with her the first time and see her enjoy that, but. You know, I'm a little more lenient, especially when it's just me and her with screen time. So I've watched this movie more than I'd like to admit in the last five days. So when you get into like that fifth, sixth watch, you're kind of going, okay, what's going on here? I, I don't under Because at least some of these kids' movies, like Pixar movies, some of my favorite movies, period, full stop. So Bar none. Yep. Agreed. So anyway, that is my long Space Jam rant. If you hopefully, if I went into it and you didn't like it, you fast forwarded through it. Um, that that said, I can't tell you enough from all of us how special it is to receive all the support we have in the last couple of weeks. It it is really humbling, and we appreciate it. We appreciate every single review we've gotten. You know, a lot of positive feedback. So if you haven't, please take the time. Let us know what we're doing right. And drop us five stars if you can. It, it, we really do appreciate that. And I say this again and again and again, but our goal here between myself, Perry, and Brian was always to create a podcast that we wanted to listen to. And I hope you guys are getting some out of this. I hope it's a little break with all this madness going on with the Blazers. So before we get out of here, Brian, you got anything to say? Hang in the Rip City. We got the draft coming up. Mm -hmm. free agency and hopefully i mean drafts not looking like it's going to be too action-packed for for <laughs> us but you know still something to look forward to it's kind of the doldrums of summer as far as sports goes but olympics this sunday right UFC yep game in action and uh yeah some of the off-season stuff coming up so hopefully you guys stay tuned and hear what we have to say about it all right that's it everybody have a good night or day whenever you're listening to this thanks all Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod and be sure to check out our live show on Locker Room every Saturday bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 